Why was I able to come back to dance so fast after six years gone? And of course I worked really hard and I had the talent and passion, but what I now understand is for six years, I was neurologically encoding those movements and speed and flexibility. Therefore, when I went to actually do it physically, it was there, which is just unbelievable in how the mind works and how it influences our body. Welcome to Bouncing Forward. I'm Amy Purdy. I believe that our challenges give us the opportunity to live an even greater life with more meaning and purpose. Through my own experience of losing my legs at 19 years old and going on to become a professional athlete, New York Times bestselling author, and world-renowned motivational speaker, I've learned that overcoming our obstacles has nothing to do with bouncing back. It has everything to do with bouncing forward. That's why on this podcast, I'm sharing stories of resilience, setbacks, and remarkable comebacks. Your journey to bouncing forward starts here. Welcome back to another episode of Bouncing Forward. I am so excited about today because today we are talking to my friend, Ashley DeLello. And one thing I'm so grateful for through this crazy journey I've had over the last two years with this injury and all these surgeries is the people that I've met along the way. You know, sometimes we can feel so alone in our situation, but I'm here to tell you we are not alone. We just have to find our tribe. And Ashley is part of my tribe. In this episode, we dive into how we can overcome our physical and emotional pain by tapping into our subconscious minds. Everything that Ashley teaches is backed by neuroscience, which has helped her overcome her own chronic pain. Ashley is a professional dancer on Broadway and TV shows like Say You Think You Can Dance and Dancing with the Stars. That's actually how we met in the first place. And at the age of 13, she was suddenly faced with a life-threatening illness that led to years of chronic pain. They couldn't figure out what it was. It led to this downward spiral with a broken metabolism and a destructive relationship with her body and with food. But through her study of neuroscience and a 20-year journey, she was able to conquer this battle and become a successful professional dancer. Then, in 2016, she had a failed hip surgery, which launched her body back into this widespread chronic pain and major dysfunction. And for the last four years, she's seen her body suffer unimaginable pain. However, she has also bounced forward, and she is now the host of a brand new podcast called Body Freedom Radio. It's fascinating. It's all about the mind-body connection and the neuroscience that backs it. She also coaches people who have chronic pain on how to live their best lives. All right, let's dive into this episode of Bouncing Forward with my friend, Ashley DeLello. Ashley, I am so excited for you to be here today. You're kind of like my soul sister, I feel like. With everything that we've gone through, you know, we've had very parallel lives as far as having an illness when we were young that was absolutely life-threatening and life-changing. And then we go on to reach the peak of success, and then we end up having another setback. And so I know it sounds kind of selfish, but it's nice to have somebody on this (laughs) journey with me. (laughs) Oh, no, I get it. (laughs) Even though our stories are quite different. So I just want to go back to what happened when you were 13 years old, and what did you go through? 
Yeah, I know you are my soul sister. And it, it, is, <laughs> it is nice to have some company in uh, two life altering experiences, right? So when I was 13, literally one day, my nickname was the Energizer Bunny. I was dancing five hours a day. And the next morning I woke up and was suddenly fighting for my life. No warning signs, you know, just a complete change in everything I was facing overnight. I had pain in every joint and muscle, very high fever, just very weak, very frail. And that was the first day of four and a half years of fighting for my life. And I'll never forget shortly after that, the hardest part is I was a mystery and nobody could figure me out. And I was seeing every doctor, every specialist. I always say, and we're getting a little bit away from it, but if you've ever watched the TV show House or did when it was on, I was one of those patients that clearly was dying, very sick, but no one could figure me out, which was probably one of the hardest aspects of it because I would just pray that a test would come back positive. So we knew what we were fighting. We could have an action plan. I'll never forget though, particularly one experience, the doctor came in after running a whole series of tests and it was one of those really like really sterile white rooms. You know what I'm talking about? There's like no pictures, nothing that is warmth about it, right? It just feels so cold. And he came in and rolled one of those stools up, you know, to the table and he had this feeling of seriousness about him. And he comes up close and he takes this deep breath Then he looks at me and just straight out says, you need to accept you're not going to live past your teenage years. You're never going to dance again. You know, never live a normal active life, never get married or have kids. I don't know to this day why he felt the need to (laughs) paint this picture so bleakly. I mean, talk about a gut punch. Just, I remember feeling the most defeated. And I know you resonate with that initial feeling of just like what has happened to my life. Absolutely. Just looking down and feeling like, what do I do with this? So what was it? What were you diagnosed with? It took several years, but it really honestly was a rare viral infection that they could not pinpoint. And, you know, the weird thing about viruses is usually there's not really anything you can do about it, right? Yeah. There's no it just has clear, to take its course. Yes. There's no clear treatment, antibiotic, you know, it's, it's viral and it reacts so differently, right? In everyone's body. Clearly we're seeing that with what's happening in the world today. I had this moment and I know you resonate with this of, wow, I I feel so defeated, so overwhelmed. What do I do with this? And I took the biggest breath I ever have in my life. And I just looked up at him and said, I don't accept this. (laughs) And they, in fact, and Amy, I don't know if you've had this experience, but they sent in a psychologist to talk to me. Yes. Yes. I had the same thing. Yes. And I remember, again, I'm 13 years old, right? And the psychologist is trying to tell me, The sooner I come to terms with my reality, you know, the sooner I can have peace around it and accept it. And I I remember looking at the the psychologist and saying, listen, nobody knows how sick I am more than me. Like I am physically feeling it. I can feel the depths. Instinctively, I was like, what I know is if I just accept this, 
then my chance of survival is zero. You know, what you're telling me is in fact going to be the truth. So I can either walk out of here and accept that, or I can give everything that I have and fight for this life. And you know what? I might defy the the limits. I might defy the odds and in fact live. Right. And where do you think being so young, being told your worst case scenario, that that, you know, having all of these maybe future plans and dreams taken away from you, where do you feel like that inner strength to say, no, maybe I can do this. Where did that come from? You know, I think it comes from two places. One, I have a deep faith in just a purpose that we're each here beyond just coming to this life and surviving and barely getting through. And I felt deep inside of me connecting with that, that my life was not meant to end at 13 years old, even if all logic and reason was pointing to that it would. I did not feel that type of just acceptance. 13 years, my life is over. Yeah. And I'm sure you, you know, you, you can tap into that. It's something deeper. It's not something that's tangible, but it's something you can't deny within yourself um, of what's possible and what your life is supposed to be about. You know, I, I remember feeling like what they're saying does not match how I'm feeling. Right. So they're like, nope, you're never going to snowboard again. You lost your legs. Like, we don't know if you'll walk without crutches again. And just thinking, but, you know, I still want to snowboard. I still want to try these things out. So, like, you're still the same person. And then I think you don't know your own strength until you're forced to find it. Oh, absolutely. You know, you have that choice, right? Like, you, you run from it or you rise to meet it. And, and you do have that choice daily, right? You make that decision and then you remake it every single day. And so you're right. It didn't resonate with what I believed I was here for. And then right. the other part, which you mentioned for you, snowboarding, for me, it was dance. To love something so much, right? That you feel in part you were created to do it. Right. And I loved it so much. I was so determined to do it again. And so this virus, it physically affected you. Absolutely. I got to the point, I had pain, like I said, in every joint and muscle. I ended up in a wheelchair because of that and the inability. I could hardly have the strength to walk from my bed to the bathroom. I got so weak. There were days I couldn't even speak. It took too much physical effort to utter words. That's scary I lost the majority of my hair. My oh. liver was shutting down. So my skin was yellow. I was so frail. I really stopped looking into the mirror because again, it felt so disconnected from who I felt inside, right? Here was this really weak, frail, sick girl. And inside I felt like this resilient warrior that my physical body was just not a manifestation of, right? Right. I was as close, and, and I know you get this, I mean, to feel, there was a time frame, I actually wouldn't allow myself to go to sleep because I felt- You're Scared to relax. Right? Yes, and, and yeah. so close to where I felt like my mind and will to live was literally the only thing convincing my body to keep fighting, right? Because wow. it was so hard. And 
there was a time frame where I would just will myself to stay awake because I I really was afraid if I surrendered that control to my physical body, it just was so ready yeah. to give up the fight. How do you go from that, this very, very sick, on the edge of death, super weak, fatigued teenager to so you think you can dance? Yeah. Quite a journey, as you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it looks like an overnight, um, but it. so yeah, it was a long road. My family finally, you know, decided we've got to do everything possible just to build and support my body. And it really was not only tapping into the mind body connection, which helped save my life and was the beginning of, of studying the mind, which I love, but also giving my immune system and body everything it could to just do what it was designed to do, which is just fight and overcome and heal. I was in like a life or death type situation for about four and a half years. And so then I didn't go back to dance until six years later. Wow. Was this kind of a process of just over time, you got stronger and stronger? Do they think that virus was in and out of your system, but then this was just the lasting effects of it? With viruses, sometimes they say it still resides in your nervous system right. or, or what have you. And, and I don't know. And I, at this point, I believe it's gone and done. And yeah, but no, sure. it was very gradual, like literally being able to walk a house, you know, and my other symptoms of pain and mm. many other symptoms, you know, were very slow, very, very gradual, very long process. And even when I got better, I went to try to dance and I was so weak and so frail. Like I couldn't do a basic plie. And so I had to start training. That's where my love for fitness, I really had to retrain yeah. the muscles to work again. And I know you get that at such an intricate level. Yeah. <laughs> and to go back to dance at 19, almost 20 years old and miss right pretty much what is thought to be the most important times of any professional athlete. Right, you skipped those years. <laughs> yes, right? Um, you're behind by then, right? Um, and so to step back into that studio, you know, wow. getting almost at 20 years old where I left at the top of what I was doing at that time was also took a great deal of courage to step back in where my friends and those who I competed against had had six years. But the amazing thing about it is the brain, when I would go through tests or scans, and you know how that is, hours and hours and appointments and scans and imaging, when I was sick, I would spend that time dancing in my mind. And yes. I would picture it and I would see it and I would feel it. And I remember being in something like those MRI tubes and tears of not sorrow, but like joy for when I would feel that freedom again. What's amazing is what I didn't know then, but what we understand now is that when you do that with such clarity and you feel the emotions, yes. the brain is encoding that as a real memory. Right. A real experience. A real experience. So I didn't understand until years later, like, why was I able to come back to dance so fast after six years gone? And of course, I worked really hard and I had the talent and passion. But what I now understand is for six years, I was neurologically encoding those movements and speed and flexibility. Therefore, when I went to actually do it physically, it was there. It was there, right. It was there, which is just 
again, unbelievable in how the mind works and how it influences our body. I totally agree. It's so crazy because I mean, I know our stories are so similar, different, you know, reasons behind how we got sick, but I would say that was a very defining moment for me as well. Just laying in bed without my legs. I was hooked to a dialysis machine. I was 83 pounds and I thought my life was over. But at the same time, I was visualizing what I wanted my life to be like. And I would see myself walking gracefully and, you know, snowboarding again. And I would feel it so intensely that I'd feel my heart race and I'd feel my muscles twitch. And it was, it was as if it was happening right then. And I have no doubt that that's what led me to where I'm at today, where I did go on to snowboard. Because like you said, it, that visualization, that daydreaming, it's mental practice. And you're just doing it over and over again as you're visualizing what you want your future to be. Yeah. I mean, I love that you had that same experience as well, because I know how critical that is. Like when we are in our toughest days to visualize our future selves and not just see it, but feel it. And that's what you just mentioned too. You got to feel it. And that's the missing component often with visualization. But the brain doesn't encode it as something real unless you have that mind-heart coherence, right? And that heart part is the emotions. And that's really what anchors us to every experience in our life is the emotions wrapped around it, right? Whether for trauma or for good, for joy, you know, for doing the things that we love so much. So we've got to equally anchor the good during the hard. Right. And not what we do. Like you said, you have those feelings. My life is over because that's what we feel. We, but we put this permanence on what we're experiencing now. And so visualizing and tapping into that and feeling it also reminds you that what is now doesn't always have to be. Then gives you that like extra resilience and patience to handle now without projecting it as final, you know, because as you know, and I know, it's never the time frame you would like it to be. But when you are tapping into that future reality each day, then it gives you just that patience and resilience. And I think what you just said is so important. And what I've learned just over the last two years with my injury is even when something seems so permanent to remember that everything is temporary. Yeah. You know, our bodies are constantly changing. And something I remind myself, so when I used to be an esthetician and do skincare, the skin, the cells in the skin turn over every seven days. And then, you know, your body is constantly changing and replenishing itself. So in my most challenging days when I'm like, you know, when I got this injury in my leg and, and the doctors are like, there's nothing we can do about it. I'm thinking, even though it feels like this is going to be my life forever, the body is constantly regenerating itself. My body next year is going to be a completely different body with completely different cells than it is this year. Yes. And so just reminding myself that everything really is temporary, even when it feels so permanent. It has been a huge part of, I think, my own resilience. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that you just said that. Yeah. Um, the human body, we do such a disservice to it sometimes. Right. Um, and the human soul, right? Of what truly we're capable of overcoming and establishing that trust. Because as you know, and anyone knows, 
there's so much trauma when you lose your health and there is a feeling of mistrust and suddenly you don't feel safe in your own body, right? It feels like it betrayed you. Um, right. There was a time I just felt like a prisoner and we've all had those feelings like, how do I escape this body, right? But healing that relationship and actually trusting it, it was like what I found the real shift for me was from hating it and feeling like a prisoner and feel like it was fighting against me to understanding that my body was fighting for me. Yes. Yeah, that's critical. That's so important to think about. And just to know. Yeah. You know, and we just don't appreciate our bodies enough. And we're like, why is this happening? Look at my body. Like, look what it's gone through. Look how skinny I am. Look at this or that. And here it's just, it is fighting for us when we're not even thinking about it. We don't even have to tell it to fight for us. Right. And that's what it's doing. It's what it's doing. And when you can align together and become greatest allies and teams and understand that your purpose is the same. I know that's too when the healing happens quicker and more, you know, effortlessly than when you're in that constant internal battle, which we get, we get, and it's natural to feel that way, especially when it feels like your body's taken your passions away, your talents and your life. Right. But in understanding that it is trying, it's doing all it can to survive, to heal. And when you get in alignment with it, then it, it, it just happens, I believe, so much quicker and effortlessly. And so I want to talk about the mind-body connection here in a minute, but you go on to become a professional dancer. You're on So You Think You Can Dance. And actually, I think that's how we met each other is just through our our dance friends after I did Dancing with the Stars. And then you have another setback. So years pass, you reach your kind of peak of success when it comes to dance. And then you have another injury, another surgery. So what happened with that? So I had one hip surgery that went well, went back to my professional career, you know, eight months later. Great. Obviously a journey nonetheless of of retraining and walking and all of that again. But then I had to have my left hip done in 2016. You know, in my mind, I thought, okay, this is going to be a similar experience. As soon as I started to come off crutches, I knew something wasn't right. It was very different. Pain spread from my hip to my whole spine, Mm. neck, shoulder, head, jaw. And suddenly I was struggling to walk. I had a two-year-old daughter that I couldn't lift, hold, get on the ground with. Everything suddenly became so challenging and so painful. And it was very deja vu, right? But yet also different. And this time I had... A child. I was a mother. I was a wife. I had my businesses, let alone, you know, my dance career, which now I couldn't even function like as a normal human being. And again, I'm before doctors and they're telling me, well, your nervous system seems to have flipped a switch in the surgery and you need to accept you're a chronic pain patient now. Wow. And so did something go wrong or no? Are you saying that your nervous system just didn't respond how you expected it to or how it should have? I know now it was a combination of both, right? But also because my hip was left compromised, but that's not visual in an MRI. 
Um, I now thankfully had a miracle surgery almost two years ago, but at the time there was nothing they could see with my hip. And so they were saying it was only that nervous system flip. But what I know is because my hip was so compromised and your body reacts to things wrong in the body, try to get your attention, right? So my body reacted very violently to a hole left in my hip capsule and it spread, right? Because of the hip and how that's the junction between your upper and lower body. And plus my body was also cross-referencing its past experiences. Yes. And that's what I wanted to ask you is, do you believe the trauma that you went through in the past is connected to now this injury that you're going through now? It absolutely was without me knowing. So because of our brain stores everything we've ever experienced, right, in our subconscious mind. And the more traumatic, the more the brain hardwires that, right? Very traumatic fighting for your life for four and a half years. The brain is designed for survival. And then we can get stuck in that survival fight or flight mode, right? So what I know is when this happened to my hip, when it was compromised, my nervous system reacted violently too because it was triggered to life or death situation again. Right. Almost overreacted. Overreacted. Fight or flight went into overdrive. Of course, also conscious, right? This is part of how the brain serves to protect you. And it's only reference is what it's experienced in the past. Right. right? right. And what we know with, with pain is when you have pain and your brain feels extra threatened by pain, pain produces more pain and then it spreads and the pain receptors get more sensitive and your nervous system literally produces pain when it is in that fear, you know, fight or flight scenario. So even though I had a very real physical compromised situation that changed how my whole body was able to function and had real ramifications and then living in chronic pain and not sleeping creates health issues all on its own. But also, absolutely, that's when I realized how much our past experiences greatly influence how our brain and therefore our body reacts to experiences we have later in life, mm-hmm. especially if we don't heal that trauma, right? right. And really understand its impact on us and how our brain sees us in our world and the potential threats. And that's what took me on that journey of really discovering the mind-body connection because I realized I had to heal that for my body to not be stuck in this fight or flight scenario all the time in its effort to just protect me and, and live. And what I really realized is my brain felt subconsciously, if we stop fighting, we die. Right. I'm even thinking about everything that I've done in my life (laughs) besides fighting for my life when I was 19, definitely that fight or flight, being a professional athlete, fight or flight, like 24 seven, right? Same with you being a professional dancer, fight or flight, being on like competition shows, fight or flight, being motivational speakers in front of people, constant adrenaline, fight or flight. So absolutely. I can see how our our brains are hardwired to fight, but to fight to the extreme, right? And that's when we're, we're actually fighting against ourselves, possibly. 
Yeah, we absolutely are because it in, it puts us in stress all the time, right? right? Even adrenaline is stress and it's our fight or flight system. We'd never want to get rid of it. It allows us to do great things. It allows us to really perceive threats and survive, but it wasn't meant to constantly be drawn from. It doesn't right. have those resources. And so when we're living that way, there's a breakdown, you know, that happens and it actually inhibits our healing and our progress and actually reaffirms the exact process we're trying to escape. Right. So you've gone on to now want to help other people. You have a business helping other people through chronic pain, through the mind-body connection. So how do you heal that? I mean, me being somebody who, you know, very similar situation of having a chronic injury right now that we're trying to fix surgery after surgery. You know, I do look back at what I went through when I was 19 fighting for my life. And I wonder, are these connected somehow? But, you know, in between those times, I was so strong too. So I've reached the peak of like, my body is just incredible. It heals. I don't get sick. I don't get injuries. So I went from being very sick to very, very strong to now like, okay, now I'm fighting this chronic injury. And and what is the connection here? Is there a connection? And and how did you begin to heal that within yourself? Yeah, Um everything's connected within ourselves, right? Because again, all your experiences, everything you've ever thought, heard, said, done, it's all stored in the subconscious mind. And by the time we're 35, 95 to 98% of how we think, feel, and respond is dictated by the subconscious mind. That's why we just do the same things. We experience a lot of the same things because that's what's running the show. And it just feels like us, right? Now, again, the more dramatic, traumatic the experience, the more the brain encodes that in order to keep you safe in the future, right? Mm -hmm. So yes, I too got to my strongest self. And it's not that you didn't have a real injury. And it's not that I didn't have a failed surgery. Those are all facts. That's the physical component, but that's a threat. Your injury, my surgery. And so your brain goes, okay, we've done this before. We had this threat. What did we do? We got to go into, you know, fight or flight. We've got to survive. And it influences how we react to what we're experiencing today. That's why even anxiety, you can think of something in the past and you can physically manifest symptoms just sitting here. There's no real threat, but we feel it viscerally right inside our body because all of that is stored there and we cannot change the past. But what we want to do is change our brain's perception of what it means for us, especially now and in the future. So there was, and I'm sure you felt this too. People used to always say, this is Ashley. She's such a fighter, right? She's such a fighter, such a fighter. And I really identified with that because it was true. But that experience when I was young had hardwired this fighter mentality of my brain and nervous system needing to always fight. And again, I fought really hard to become a professional dancer, right? It was that effort to survive, to succeed, So when this happened, again, it triggered that into overdrive. And I could feel that that's 
the belief system deep inside my brain and nervous system that I had to rewire so that my body could heal. And I mean, how do you rewire that? Yeah. So it's a process, right? <laughs> it's a, it definitely is a process. And that's what I do through, through bioemotional healing, because you have to understand whatever you're stuck in, whether it's pain and I work with people with anxiety or if it's self-limiting beliefs or PTSD or, or whatever is keeping you stuck, right? Whether to feeling like a prisoner to your mind or body, your brain has decided based on all your life experiences, what it needs to do to protect you. Because that's all it cares about, protecting you, keeping you safe. Everything else is secondary. So your brain looks at everything you've ever experienced on how to do that. So if people even have that fear of reaching out to people, so the brain decides I'll give them anxiety every time they even think about doing it, that will keep them stuck and safe from doing it. So any change has to start with awareness of what is this subconscious program that I might not consciously even be aware of that is still running the show in how my brain is trying to protect me. And when you then become aware of that program, then you have the opportunity to take conscious control of it and change, right? It's like the coding that's running the show behind the scenes that we just need to bring out into the open. Like I wasn't living my life in fear, right? Clearly, and like yourself, I wanted to seize life and I did, but my brain and nervous system were still really operating from a place of fear and threat, especially with anything pertaining to my body. So is there a practice that you do to start to understand that mind-body connection to reflect do you do a lot of meditation within your coaching? So I do more like active meditation instead of like getting lost in your thoughts where it's about a purposeful taking control of your thoughts, right? And becoming aware of them. So of course, it's a it's an in-depth eight-week process because you've got to work with the mind instead of against it, right? Which is right. what a lot of us try to do when we're struggling with whatever it is. We're trying to stifle it down, ignore it, you know. So if we're going to go to some basic steps, and I actually have like a three-step process called the mind-body blueprint. You can get at the free mind-body blueprint. First step, awareness. So most of us aren't really aware of our thoughts, especially when we're triggered or we feel that visceral reaction because our behaviors always start with the thought, emotion, behavior. So we don't question them. We're not taught growing up. If you have a thought in your head, you don't have to identify with them, right? They're not truth. They're just thoughts. It's us that give them the power. So it's like separating ourselves from ourselves each day and really tuning in to what is running in my head. When I think of my body, when I think of work, when I think of this pain or my health issues, what's running? Awareness has to first be the very first step because if we're not aware of what's going on in the subconscious program, we don't know where to even start and how to change that. So that's the first step. And I know that's a word that's very popular right now, right? And running out in the world, but it's really starting to in tune to what is happening inside of you instead of just letting it run without question. Right. 
Like, what are you thinking even when you get ready in the morning? But especially when you feel anxiety or physical pain, or the thought processes are so fast within the brain. So really, instead of just letting them run and, and continually to be do the habitual behaviors that come from them, separating going, okay, why do I think that? Where is that coming from? Right. Right. And where did it start? And then what does it mean? You know, and, and starting to break that down. That's the first step and stopping identifying with them and do it from a place of compassion, right? Because we also do it from a place of criticism and judgment. And that brings up that resistance and the brain's going to feel that threat response really hardwired down. So understanding, okay, my life experiences have created these, these thoughts, these habitual thoughts that are now hardwired part of my response system do it from a place of self-compassion and love. Okay, that might have served me then. It doesn't serve me now. I want to think in relationship to my body, my work, you know, my profession. Right. What do I want to think? And understanding that, again, you actually are in charge, even though it feels often like we're not. You can have a thought. You can interrupt it. You can then replace it. They're just thoughts, and we get to decide what we give power and what we give meaning. So that's baseline, but very first steps to start even understanding what's running inside us. Right. I remember when we had dinner last year, and this was before, I think you've had maybe one or two surgeries since then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you might be in a different spot now, but when we were having dinner, you were telling me that you were in like level eight chronic pain kind of all the time, which is so, um, you know, interesting to me because I think a lot of people would assume that I've dealt with pain in my life because I've got two prosthetic legs and a kidney transplant, but I actually never had chronic pain at all in my entire life until this injury hit two years ago. Luckily, I don't have chronic pain now, but there was definitely a six-month period where I was in 24-7 nonstop pain. My body was constantly telling me something was wrong, but there was nothing we could do. It was hard to get inspired. It was hard to think about my future when you're constantly being pulled back to your body right now. And so how do you work with clients who are dealing with chronic pain? And I ask too, because a lot of people reach out to me and say, Amy, I, I love what you share and I want to visualize my future, and but I'm in chronic pain. I cannot get past what I'm dealing with today. So how do you help coach your clients through chronic pain? Yeah. Uh, pain is a type of hell I wouldn't wish on anyone. It drains you physically, mentally, emotionally. It's with you all moments of every day. The very first thing I start with any of my pain patients is teaching them what that means. So we are raised with the idea, if you have pain, something is physically wrong in the body, right? And when you have so much pain, you feel broken. Your body is, is broken. And in understanding that all pain actually comes from the brain. It's felt yes. in different parts of the body and it's real. I want to be really clear about that because also pain patients are made to feel it's in their head or- Right, you know, doctors will say it's in your head, but I mean, the way I look at it now is it's neurological. Yes. So it's this mind-body thing, like you said. It, you're certainly not wishing and daydreaming it upon yourself. No. But it does start with the brain. Yeah, the brain 
decides when and how and where to produce pain and then sends those signals through the nervous system to parts of the body. So when you've had pain, you're living in the very threat to your brain. That's what's hard. It's not a threat outside of you, it's inside of you. And pain was wired into our nervous system for survival reasons. So it's pivotal to our survival. It's how our body tells us something is wrong. So when you have pain, what happens over time is the brain gets very sensitive and protective to that area. And so now any type of discomfort, the default communication becomes pain. And then with time, the pain receptors in the brain get less specific and more sensitive. So pain spreads, right? Again, that doesn't mean you created it, you caused it. It's that this is what happens in the body when you're in chronic pain. And then you feel pain even when something is not physically wrong, because that is now the default mode in how your brain and nervous system communicate. So the very first thing I start with them is for them to understand what is happening. Because nobody spoke to me about this. I'll be honest. I went to everyone. And it wasn't until I became so desperate and started studying neuroscience and pain science myself in an effort to rewire my nervous system that they said, you know, had wired now. And I was chronic pain. And I was like, no, I, I believe if it can wire this way, I can rewire it. Yes. Other. And right. so... It was incredibly encouraging. It was also frustrating, but encouraging to understand that pain did not just mean I was completely damaged and completely broken, but that my brain was also trying to serve its highest purpose of protecting me. Right. And because pain is so integral to our nervous system, it gets stuck in only communicating through pain pathways. So what did that mean? the solution wasn't just the right surgery or right PT, but that I could, within myself, start desensitizing, retraining my brain and nervous system to not have to communicate with me in pain. And that was frustrating, the fact that now I knew I had to address that too in order to get better. Right. But on the flip side and what brings me here today and why my body has recovered so fully is that I knew I had that ability within myself and how empowering that was to understand that I wasn't just broken and I could really harness the power of the brain and teach it again to communicate in a different way and trust and be safe. It's just unbelievable. I, I've worked with clients too who've had fibromyalgia for 40 years. Wow. Now with the tools they have, they can take a pain flare and almost down to nothing just by harnessing that power within themselves. And as you know, anyone who's struggled with their body, you feel helpless, right? The solution is outside of you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you don't still need to treat the physical body with surgeries and, mm -hmm. and treatments because you do absolutely. Right. If there's something wrong, your body's yeah. screaming at you, there is something wrong. But then your body gets in that pattern where sometimes there may not even be anything wrong yeah. anymore. Like you're saying, you might not be completely broken, mm -hmm. but your brain is still sending the signals trying to make you survive yes. and protect you. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And I love how you said, if your brain could wire you to feel pain, then you could also rewire it to not feel pain, right? Yes, absolutely. So I will say that's kind of daunting in the sake of like, you know, just where do you begin? So are there any specific resources early on that helped you when you just started to go down this path? I wish I could say it was just like one (laughs) simple understanding. It wasn't. And that's part of my goal and mission today is for pain patients, you know, to understand this, to understand what's happening within their brain and nervous system and the emotions all wrapped up in it. So pain and fear are like best friends in the brain So pain obviously creates fear, but just feeling fear creates pain. And we get in these cycles of of feeling a symptom, having the thoughts and emotions around it. It reaffirms the threat response to the brain and the brain just sends more pain. So really starting to break that down and understand the cycle that's running when you feel pain versus just getting lost in it. But you have to also understand pain patients have been told like, this is your life. You need to accept it. So there's a lot of that fear around this will never get better. Right. And that just reinforces it all. Reinforces it all. And what I realized is the same way that this works with the pain, it does with anxiety. It does with feelings of unworthiness or self-doubt. Whatever's keeping you stuck, it's been wired into the brain and nervous system. And you truly can wire that out. I've even, I've had patients who've had anxiety their whole life. And by understanding that that has wired into how their brain communicates to their body, they now through the process and tools can get free of it, right? Because you can change that default mode. And that's what's incredible because they've shown through neuroscience, this is all science. This is all brain imaging, Our brains are malleable our whole life. So no matter how long you've been stuck, whether it's in pain or anxiety or anything else, the brain can always change. And that's We have to remember that. Yes. And it doesn't mean it doesn't take time and effort. I mean, I'm into this journey where I had that surgery in 2016. It's 2021, right? (laughs) It's taken some time, but I'm so close and almost free. I once had so much pain in so many areas in my body. I didn't even understand how you can process it, you know, just shaking. And I know you had that in that six months, just shaking in so much pain because your body is so overloaded and like 10 areas of my body, right. Just not even knowing how to get through one second to the next. And now I've got like two, left. Um, (laughs) Right. You're just right. You're checking things off your list. (laughs) And it's, it's just, it's miraculous and it it takes time and effort, but time passes anyway. Right. And being reactive to your pain or anxiety is so much harder than learning how to be proactive. Yeah. Being reactive is way easier. Absolutely. And it takes time. There's no quick fix. It's a rewiring, reprogramming of your whole subconscious that gets you through it and that, right, creates a whole new future. But when you change that coding, right, of your subconscious program, then you can't help but think, respond, act, behave differently. Differently. 
right? And that's what's amazing is we've also been told the story like change is so hard. And it is when you're working against your own mind. But when you can really work with it and teach it to be safe to let go of the old and make space to rewire what you do want, change can happen much faster than we've been led to believe is possible because your brain is the command center of everything. Would you say that figuring that out was your defining moment to taking this setback and then bouncing forward in your life where now you can help other people? 1000%. Right. And um, I wouldn't have figured it out had I not had to go through this again. And in fact, I couldn't have figured it out though if I hadn't also gone through what I did when I was younger because it was understanding the impact of that and how our life experiences and our thoughts and all of that really impact how we respond today. And it really, I know it was just, it gave purpose. Like I said, it turned all the pain into purpose and I did it first to save my own life. And now I know because I, I don't want people to feel like they've got to spend 24 years uh, trying to figure it out also themselves. And it was the merging of the science with the complexities of my life experiences, which you cannot read in a book, right? And understanding how that impacted me on so many levels at a subconscious level, right? And, and those mergence of the two, and that's why I call it bioemotional healing. And that's, um, it's the most rewarding thing to turn all that pain into now helping other people get free, you know, and the world needs, whether you feel stuck to your mind or your physical body, it's a prison and it's, it's living less than you feel. And I think that goes back to what you said. It felt like a disconnect. I think so many people feel like they're living less than what they're meant for and not in control and just feeling stuck no matter how many things they've tried. And most clients, by the time they get to me, that's where they're at. They've tried and tried and tried and failed because until you get to that subconscious root, everything else is like pulling out the weeds, but leaving that root. And it will always bring you back to it. But when you can pull that root out and change that coding and your brain's perception of what things mean, gosh, anything's possible, right? And your evidence of that, and I've told someone, you can't ever tell me otherwise because I am living evidence twice, right? right? Of, Of what is possible. I love that. What I want is for people to know that it's not just you or me or some other inspiring story that they hear. And it's just because of your talent and my talent and our personalities, like separate from talent, intellect, background, the functions of the brain, barring real injury, right? Or true mental illness. They're the same for all of us. And so tapping into that is accessible to anyone. And that's why I love the brain so much. I'm just as fascinated, especially, I mean, I want to be really sensitive of your time too, but you know, I can go into this whole story of last month having surgery and not having pain, not having any pain. I had zero pain. I had a major surgery. I had a little bit more of my leg amputated. I had, 
you know, bone was cut, muscle was cut, and I didn't feel a thing. And all of a sudden, I'm like, this is my brain is not aware. And I can feel my leg. It's not like my leg's numb or something. It just had zero pain. And so I'm fascinated too. And that's why I was so excited to talk to you today about this and just excited to jump even further into all of this with you now that I know that you teach about the brain, you work with clients who are going through chronic pain and chronic injury. I want to share in a minute how people can find you. But quickly, just to end this, I want to ask a couple questions that that I ask all of my guests. And the first question is, imagine that you're 80 years old, you're looking back on your life, you're telling your grandkids the one thing that you know for sure about life. What would you say? The only constant in life is change. Whether for moments of hard and challenging, but also moments of greatness and abundance and gratitude. And when you can understand that that's part of the flow of life, then you can remember this too shall pass, right? Right. And tap into that and be present with where you are because otherwise we're always waiting for something, you know, that is yet to come. Change is the only constant, both, and that can be a very empowering thing in your life. You know, it really can be, especially talking about chronic injury and pain when you think it's permanent. Mm-hmm. But really, change is the only thing we that is real. Absolutely. So that is incredibly empowering. Um, and again, like I said, whether that's chronic injury or I, it's the same function. So I work with people who have chronic anxiety, chronic to beliefs. It's the same way in way how it wires in your brain nervous system. And those two, those people feel it's permanent. How do I ever not feel anxiety? How do I ever actually believe in myself and not have self-crippling doubt every time I want to go after something? Right. That too feels permanent, right? Right. That too can change. I love that. If you could give advice to someone who's currently living through your darkest days, what would you say to them? I would say to find the purpose of who you are meant to become through where you are, because you will get to the other side. And when you get to the other side, you want to step into the growth and greatness that can only in fact come when you are trudging through those valleys of despair and to give yourself the grace to feel it and process it so you can have the release to be strengthened and solidified in it. Is it this too shall pass? One day, one moment at a time. And the last question, if our listeners want to learn more about you, your coaching, working one-on-one with you, where can they find you? Yes. So my main website is ashleydlello.com. I also have, I just released a free training masterclass on four shifts you can do now to start taking control. 
and that is bio-emotionalhealing.com. You can watch that free training to get you started. And of course, on social media and everything, it's it's Ashley DiLello. Thank you so much, Ashley. What you're doing is impacting so many lives, and I know it's going to continue to impact so many more lives. Your life has impacted my life as I go through this journey as well. And I just, I couldn't thank you more for being here with me today. Oh, thank you, Amy. It's my pleasure. All the same back to you. We are soul sisters, and I'm I'm grateful and honored to know you and to be here. You are blessing the world, no doubt. Well, thank you. You too. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you guys, first of all, I am blown away by how similar Ashley and my story is. I mean, completely different circumstances, but our stories are very similar as far as getting sick when we were young, then reaching the peak of like physical fitness and success and health, and then all of a sudden having injuries that set us back. And so here are my three takeaways from today's conversation. Number one, the mind and the body are one. We cannot heal the body until we heal our brain first. And number two, I love how Ashley shared that if our brain can be wired for pain, then it can be rewired to not be in pain. And number three, what's helped Ashley bounce forward from major physical and mental setbacks to get to where she's at today is she first had to heal herself. Had she have not gone through everything that she's gone through, she wouldn't be able to help other people bounce forward in their journey. And so that's how we do it. That's how we bounce forward. We live, we learn, and we grow, and we help others along the way. And clearly, there's a lot of information to learn about the mind-body connection. Ashley is so knowledgeable. So you need to check out her new podcast called Body Freedom Radio, where she breaks down tangible tips and tools on how to heal trauma, how to heal pain, and stop the negative thought loop in order to create balance in the mind-body connection. You can find Body Freedom Radio on all major podcast platforms. And if you liked today's episode, make sure to subscribe, leave your comments below, and screen capture so that you can post on your social media platforms. Thank you guys so much, and I'll see you on the next episode of Bouncing Forward. Thank you so much for tuning in to Bouncing Forward. My mission is to show that no matter what our circumstances, if you want something bad enough and if you feel it in your heart and your soul, that the possibilities of what we can achieve are endless. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode and please leave a review to help me help more people bounce forward. I wanna leave you with this one question. If your life was a book and you were the author, how would you want your story to go? From this podcast, I hope you walk away seeing that although we can't control the things that happen to us, we can always control the way we react to them. We determine where our story goes from here. It's not about bouncing back to who we once were. It's about bouncing forward and becoming all that we could be.